breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. That's right. You're listening. The Glitter Boys. Today on The Glitter Boys, we're talking about backstories. So you're talking about my my 18-page novella that I wrote featuring my character's awesome uh, pre-game descriptions about how cool they are, yeah, doing yeah. doing everything even cooler than your game is actually going to let them do. Sure, can I can I see that quick? Yeah, yeah, so sure. Yeah, 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 hold on. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> No! You brought up a traumatic story from my past, but I, which I won't go into, but oh my god. Short version. 16 pages, handwritten, in handwriting that's worse than mine. Occasionally dipped in blood. <laughs> but yeah, effective character backstories. What makes an effective character backstory? That's what we're talking about today. Okay, well, Jacob, do you have an answer to that question? Yes. It has to be more than my parents died when I was a child. I'm an orphan and no one loves me but my trench coat and my katana. Oh, God, yeah. I'm I'm so over over that. And, you know, as a, as a kid, that was my favorite thing ever because I just wanted to get down and roll some dice, yep. you know? I was like, but I don't care. I'm just here to murder. <laughs> I'm just here to murder, to pillage, to loot. You know. Yep. yep. Give, me, give me the dice. I want to stay up. Okay. Okay. Here's your coalition, dead boy. Have a nice day. <laughs> um, but especially in the Palladium system, doesn't matter what you're playing. Fantasy, beyond the supernatural. Ninjas and super spies, especially ninjas and super spies, where so many of the OCCs have kind of built-in histories. Yeah. Even recon. Good story backgrounds for your characters, super, super important. Hitting the sweet spot of enough information to tell you as a player about your character and to give information that the GM can work off of to create an enriching and fulfilling story is important, but not if you drown them in your novella. Okay, but do I get to at least read it aloud during play? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> what about monologue? Can, can we pause the action while I monologue? <laughs> do you have the, the GM gets to do it? <laughs> do you have the supervillain power uh, uninterruptible monologue? No, you don't. Have a good day. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's... It should tell you something about the character, and it doesn't have to be a lot. Like, one of my first Rift's characters was a wilderness scout. Surprise, surprise to anybody who knows me. And it was, he was a small town kid from a farming community that had to look after itself because it was just outside the protection range of any of the major powers, he grew up in the woods, taking care of the farm, taking care of the town, and had a loving family somewhere out there. They weren't murdered by, you know, DBs or anything like that. And it was two paragraphs. But there was so much there to work with. 
we eventually ended up passing through my old hometown and meeting the character's family. And, you know, it, even though I just mentioned it's like he, he has a family and a couple siblings, I don't even think I gave a number of siblings. Um, the fact that, you know, they, it was roughly in this geographical area, you know, it, it gave enough where as a player... I had the cues for the person I was presenting at the table to the other players and the game master. And the game master had enough there that he could hook things on and build stories that one would actually interest the character in actually engaging in. And two could bring in parts of characters, backstories and Give them stakes in situations. Palladium, at least the fantasy, has some built-in little hooks that you can use that are random roll tables. Mm -hmm. You don't have to use them. People often ignore them. But one of them is like birth order or land of origin and likes and dislikes. Okay. I'm, I'm from the land of the south wind. I hate merchants and I'm fifth born. Okay, make something out of that. Uh, what are you? What are your feelings and your your other siblings? Were there more after you? Mm -hmm. Why do you hate merchants so much? That's that's like those are great those quick hooks. Great ho no. quick hooks. You can build a character backstory for yourself there. You can have just enough where you can hit the table with that. The GM's got some stuff. You can explore it with the table. You've given a skeleton that you can build your character at build your character off of even if you haven't really fleshed it out in your own mind when you sit down what are your thoughts on games that have it built into the character creation system like for example hole <laughs> or traveler or conan the modifius version so i have a love-hate relationship with them because it, it really, really depends on how much it straightjackets certain character classes, shall we say, mm -hmm. or character archetypes to come from certain backgrounds. And it gets back into something we've talked about a couple times on the podcast, where you can't be the now hermit philosopher mind mage who used to be a coalition, you know, grunt. Um, before he had a moment of epiphany and threw it all away to live in the woods and study the inner mind. You know, it's, I've seen that happen a lot with a lot of those systems. Some are better than others. Traveler, which I played a lot of. How many characters do I have to roll up before I get one to survive to carry the start of the game? <laughs> that honestly, some people love that. I hate that so much you know i enjoyed it when we did the bikers dice and bars episode on whole enjoyed making xander suffer and it was it was a comedic experience we weren't sitting down to legitimately play these characters but if you are sitting down to legitimately make a character for a system and your character dies in character creation that's an asshole system yep that's just that's a dick move. It yep. should, there should be a point where it's like to go any further, you will die. Mm -hmm. So stop now. Yes. <laughs> yes. And this is where you stop. You are now ready to play the game kind of thing. And, and I 
that's got to be built in. There's got to be enough flexibility where it's not like you're uh, X type of fighter. That means you absolutely positively had to grow up on the steps, born to the saddle, et cetera, et cetera. That might be the most appropriate way to that for that character to normally come about. Mm-hmm. But the system's got to allow for a little wiggle room on it. Conan, on the other hand, one thing I like about the Conan 2D20 system is the character creation bakes in the archetypes that you would expect and then some, and it creates the type of people that are most likely to be adventuring in this world. Yep. But they're also ridiculously diverse. Yes. (laughs) There's so many combinations of things and one thing can lead to another can lead to another. And you can see this extremely unlikely, but very interesting development of someone's life. Mm-hmm. And there's other systems that tackle it from a different one, a different direction. Uh, Dune, uh, both the Dune Chronicles of the Imperium and the more recent uh, Dune uh, role-playing game. You're Part of, if you're doing it in the ensemble style rather than a one-shot style, which is how it's meant to be played, you're building the minor house you are members of. You may not all be by blood. You might be retainers, servants, um, hirelings, whatever. But you were building that collaboratively together, and that informs your character's place in it. You're a mentat. So how did this Mentat come to work with uh, for a house that's super, super connected to the Bene Jesuit, which have a mild... Mentats are skirting the line. Are they a little too much like a machine sort of thing? You got to watch those guys, um, you know, vibe. And so that collaborative process that's baked into the game helps it it dictates some of the stuff you as a character have in some of your background but it also creates implied spaces that you can fill in sounds a lot like also the song of ice and fire role-playing game from green ronin you had the house creation and everybody was involved in it Mm -hmm. so i'm also reminded of beyond the wall Oh, talk about a system that did it right. Yeah, it. Yeah, the the way that the characters are built in that they follow interesting paths that you frequently won't expect. And the character that you sit down and actually play might not be what you had expected to be playing that night, but it's still very interesting and fun. We've talked before on the podcast on the importance of session zero. Yeah. Beyond the Wall is still, to this day, one of my top three favorite Session Zero games ever. I mean, the whole thing is built around it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to have a Session Zero in that game. You're building the town you're from. You're building the landmarks, the political structures in it. Um, Not in any super, super granular detail, but enough where you're not only building your character, but you're building your corner of the world and how you fit in that Mm -hmm. corner of the world, which is what a good, effective character backstory should do. It should help build your character beyond raw numbers and skills 
and tell you something about how the character fits in the world around him. So seeing as how we largely talk about Palladium games on this podcast, unfortunately, there's none of that built into the Palladium system. Now, you, you've said before that your character classes already have some story there that, mm-hmm. that anybody who takes a moment to read over the, the backs, uh, the description of the character class and its history in the world can probably come up with some basic ideas. Mm-hmm. However, if you are still lacking that inspiration and you need additional oomph, a boost to, to get pushing beyond that line and, and into the realm of collaboration, I cannot recommend enough the backstory cards that you can get from drive through rpg jacob i think you've used maybe maybe played with them in one of my games uh yeah i've played with them in two of your games actually and i it's not the set that's available through drive through rpg i used to have those uh back when you could actually buy them in a game shop yeah 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 Yeah. that that, those were an accessory that you could buy and yeah i've i've used them uh, depending on the very vari- variation there is, um, they can be helpful. They can be hindrances. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta be able to let a player look at a handful of the handful of cards and go, nope. Yeah. What I like to do is, uh, well, okay, let me start over. Uh, listeners, if you are unfamiliar with the backstory cards, they set up a collaborative backstory connection system so that everybody who's sitting at the table to play in that session in your session zero when you pull out these cards and start going back and around the table and and reading what's on the cards they are connecting the players to each other mm-hmm. to npcs in your world mm-hmm. to places in your world and to events in your world and groups as well groups in your world and that works best if the majority of your players are in it, are into it, mm-hmm. are, are, are they're on board. They are mm-hmm. creating and they're buying into it. You know, if you, you can have one or two people who aren't so forthcoming with the ideas, but as long as they're having fun, then it's still working. It has some weird cards and some yeah. of them, some of them just get really strange. The cards will be like you and player to your left defended npc of choice against the advances of group but you betrayed them or something how does how do they feel about this and so on there are certain prescribed actions in it that you know it it'll be like this is for the player two to your left Mm -hmm. against whatever or this is the player one to your right or the player across the table or something I find it works better if you give the players a handful of cards and they don't have to play all of them or you can set some out face up on the table Mm -hmm. and have people grab them and then play loose with the prescriptions on Mm -hmm. the cards. One in there is one case and it actually does apply to riffs where I find the prescriptive method actually works real, real well. Let's say you didn't have a true session zero and you had a whole bunch of players on their own. 
They're all experienced Rifts players. They all made their OCCs without talking to each other. And next thing you know, you have a Psy Stalker and a Mind Melter sitting at the same table. Mm-hmm. And how do you make that work? Grab those cards and be rigid on <laughs> two to your left, person across the table, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. It 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 sets up social dynamics that will keep a group functioning that maybe on paper should never ever be in the same room with each other. You just reminded me of another game that I'll mention, and I'm surprised that I didn't think about it ever. Uh, my own game, Moto Bushido, and mm-hmm. in that game, when you create your characters you you have to create them together because again you are creating both the characters and their group their pack their gang whatever and you each step of the way you have to answer questions about yourself and or involving someone else Mm -hmm. and by the end of the character creation because of the way i structured the the phrase to questions you have friendship beef (laughs) animosity and love with everybody at the table yep just like a really really close group should be every single biker club i have ever been around you or a member of (laughs) yes some of these people you want to strangle if not kill but will also defend against anybody that attacks them kind of thing and you have reasons for that and they Mm -hmm. are epic yeah no and and that's that is one of those things that I have a love-hate relationship with the indie RPG movement. Yeah. Um, But that was one of the things that fundamentally, by and large, it introduced that they got right. Not a huge fan of how Apocalypse World did it, but what came after that um, really put interesting things. Everything from um, Cold War, Hot Wars, Mm. trust mechanics... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and given part of that game is predicated on there is a good chance at some point, somebody's going to have to betray somebody else due to the expediency of the political situation mm-hmm. in post-World War II Berlin. Yep. Um, Cold City. Cold City. Cold City. Hot War. Hot War. I don't they, think you can get either of those games anymore either. I, I'm proudly on both. You yep. pry them from my cold dead hands. No, I, I have <laughs> them both on a shelf over there. I think Contested Ground Studios vanished Mm, sad sad but yeah there's lots of mechanical ways of doing it but they all achieve the same result effective backstory effective backstory whether you make it a mechanic or you simply sit down and write down a few character or or a few sentences or a paragraph Mm -hmm. um, if you choose the the more freeform version i personally recommend do not write that 16 page i got my paper shredder right here it's warmed up and ready to go i recommend instead writing three paragraphs of three sentences each and follow the classic essay format of beginning middle conclusion take that three paragraphs three sentences nine sentences Mm -hmm. about who you are where you've come from, and how you got here today. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. Yep. There's also other tools. If you go and Google online, there's uh, role-playing questionnaires um, for that 
you know, they, have they, bad experiences. They very wildly, <laughs> very wildly. Uh, you need to get the right one for your game mm-hmm. and be prepared to prune mercilessly uh, and do edits. But there are some that I've been like, this is a masterpiece for this particular game. Uh, there, you know, One I tripped across the other day because um, I'm slowly rolling out, preparing to run a uh, the, the Ring one-shot, um, the Lord of the Rings role-playing game. And I found a questionnaire uh, for that that was written by bo- someone who was both an uber Tolkien geek and was simplified down where it wasn't 25 questions that the player had to answer. It was like nine. And don't know was a valid option. <laughs> don't know. Yes. I would also like to point out nine questions is the same as three paragraphs, three sentences. Yeah. There you go. And you just reminded me again of something offhandedly. Again, it's impossible to find now. But if you happen to have a lead to get your own copy of the central casting series of books, do it. It creates some fantastically interesting characters. I don't recommend leaning on it. But it's a fun experiment. I, I will put one caveat out there for central casting. I've used central casting before. I tend to like it. It is a product of its time. Yeah. Yep. And some of the language they use in there jar is jarring for modern audiences. And so go into it just knowing that you're dealing with a product that was designed in the 80s, written in the 80s, and uh, yeah. You mean like? Palladium? Well, yeah, but... Thanks for listening, folks. Starships, magic, mystic martial arts, romance. All of these can be found in A Cloak of Blades by Isaac Sher. You might have heard my name before. I've done a lot of voiceover work for Breakfast Puppies. And I've recently released my first novel. It's available on Amazon as an ebook and paperback, and you can get it for free if you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription. I do hope you'll support my work as you're supporting Breakfast Puppies. And it's been a pleasure talking with you today. Have a good one. You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. 
If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like, when, when you started making the face, I'm going, I knew exactly what was going to come out of your mouth. And it was like, yeah. <laughs>